You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. Morning, morning. Everybody good? Give me a thumbs up if you're good. Oh, look at all those thumbs. That's the only time that I'll let anyone in the room do anything that performs the symbol of an Aggie fan at all. <laughs> amen. Who, where'd I get the amen at? So there's a bunch of them. They're like, well, I'm kind of hidden now. So, no, really, really honored that you would join us. Can you give it up for our worship team? So amazing. <laughs> Super uh, thankful for, for them and, and just kind of the, the faith and what they carry. And um, man, it's been an incredible morning so far. Uh, if you, if, if, how many of y'all were in first service and you just stayed? You just stayed, you just liked it so much. Uh, first service uh, was baptism uh, service, and we baptized, I think, uh, 18 people. Uh, it was just absolutely fantastic what the Lord did in the room, just a very, very uh, sweet hovering of, of just God's spirit. And um, it was just an incredible time, and I'm just so honored that God shows up, and God is so faithful. I don't know if you've heard that today, but I'm telling you right now that God is faithful, and he's faithful to you, amen? Um, very, very thankful and just excited about this message. Uh, I feel like um, I feel like it's one of those that just uh, the Lord is the Lord is on. And and really, what 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 happened is I just kind of wanted to really start talking about and giving you some insight into what our vision is and what our mission is at Renew Life Church. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to dive into this this rascal. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for just uh, everyone in this room. Uh, be it them sitting there and, or even the ones that are in the sound booth. I just pray, Father, that uh, first and foremost that you would, you would touch us. I'm asking you for something specific and unique for each person, that we would come away with knowing something, that we would come away with knowing you in a deeper way, a more intimate way. I just thank you that every single time that we gather, you're in our midst and uh, we gather in your name, and I pray that you get glory and you get honor for this message and for this time that we have together. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody, you'd say, amen. Amen. I want to let you know this. Here at New Life Church, our vision is really simple. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth in every single area of life. I'll repeat it one more time. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth in every single area of life. Now, where we get that from is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to read it to you. You probably know it. It says, our Father in heaven. This is part of Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we need to understand is this, that there is a reality going on in heaven that is different a lot of times from the reality that is going on on the earth. But when I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, he's saying that I have access to, to the Father and I have access to tap into the realities of heaven while I'm on the earth. That his kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is a way in heaven and I have the access and the opportunity, you have the access and the opportunity as a born again child of God to start experiencing the realities of heaven while you're here. This means that you don't have to wait to die so that finally you can actually start experiencing healing. 
or that finally you could actually start experiencing freedom from sickness or pain, or that finally you could experience freedom in broken relationships, or that finally you could actually step into life. That's not what this, this, this means that you can actually call those things to come to pass right now. Amen? And so we get to live with a different mandate on the earth as believers in Jesus. We should be experiencing a God kind of life right here. Amen? I want to share this also. Our mission is this, and it's going to be on the screen. Here at RLC, our mission is to see the lost saved, the saved living spirit-filled, led, and empowered, living free, spirit, soul, and body, living unified in spiritual family, that's what this is, living on mission, and that is advancing God's kingdom. So today I want to sh- share a portion of, of, of our mission. I want to start with the first thing on the list. Today I want to talk about the greatest miracle that ever exists, the one that's still happening today. There's nothing better than this one. I want to talk today about the miracle of salvation. I want to talk about the miracle of salvation. If you're a first-time guest, we welcome you. Yes, you came to the church that was happened to be preaching salvation the first time that you came. Uh, we didn't plan it, but maybe God did. And so hopefully you'll come back after this week. But I want to talk about this miracle of, of salvation. I want to focus on this portion of our mission, the lost saved. Jesus, he said this in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. He said, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost, that which was lost. We know uh, what happened in the Garden of Eden. We, we, we explored this a few weeks ago. I preached a message out of Genesis chapter 3, and in Genesis chapter 3, we knew that, 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 that the serpent, he deceived Eve, and Eve actually ate of the fruit that was forbidden by God. She ate it. She was deceived. She gave it to her husband, Adam. He ate it also. And then the eyes of both of them were open. They realized that they were naked. They hid themselves from God. All of these things happened, and it caused separation. Sin caused a separation on the earth between what God had created that he said was good and himself, who is always good. And so from that moment... Until Jesus came, there was this thing that Jesus came to do, and that was to seek and to save those that had been lost. And he was talking about you and I. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 5, the whole chapter, it talks about how through one man's disobedience, through one man's disobedience, sin began to reign through everyone. So he's talking about Adam. Through Adam's disobedience, sin literally entered the earth and began to reign. But through one man's act of obedience, we have been given the opportunity through the free gift of salvation to have eternal life, and that is for us to be reclaimed for the kingdom, for the kingdom of God. Satan obviously had a plan, but how many of you know that Jesus, God had a better plan, and God is the victorious God on the earth? Amen. And so I want to preach this message for two reasons, two reasons. The first reason is this. I believe that there are people in the room that are lost and they need salvation. The greatest decision that anyone could ever make is to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Let the old things pass away. Let all things become new and step into eternal life and eternal salvation with him. The second reason is this. According to Ephesians chapter 4, it says that Jesus himself gave some to be prophets, 
some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, some to be teachers and evangelists for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, right? Till the, to the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. My role here today is very simple, and it is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. In this case, it is to equip you to step into your ministry by leading people or of leading people into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you are saved, you have a job. Amen? I don't want a job. Some of you need to get a job. If you, if you are saved, you have a job. And it's for those two reasons that we're exploring this incredible miracle of salvation. I'm going to start with a scripture that for me, it really kind of laser focuses and puts things into perspective uh, as it pertains to salvation, as it pertains to death and life. It's found in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. You can flip over there. It's going to be on the screen. It says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In other words, all that live a life of sin, all that live a life of rebellion against God or live a life um, in opposition of God's word, all of those, all of us that live that way or have lived that way, we were on track to receive the payment at the end of that life, and that payment was just death. That's really what this is saying. For the wages, your payment for sin will be death. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about natural death because we're all going to die. I'm talking about a spiritual, a spiritual death. We, we know that we are three-part beings, right? We are a spirit that has a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions. We all have those. And we live in a body. When we die, depending on the way in which we lived our life, or depending on the way in which we believed uh, about Jesus, we will either end up in a place where we have death, or we will end up in a place where we have eternal life, everlasting life with Jesus. It's one or the other. The wages of sin, the payment of sin without Jesus is death. I want you to understand this, that God is not the one who assigns you to death. He is giving an opportunity for things to go differently in your life. The enemy, Satan, is the author of confusion. He is the father of lies. He is the one that will convince you the way in which you're living. There's no, there's no reason to change anything. There's no reason to do anything different, to distort your mind slightly. But his end goal is to what? Steal, kill, and to destroy, is what, is what it says in John chapter 10, verse 10. So I want to teach you just a few things about, about this. This death speaks of a spiritual death, what happens when, when you die. And I understand that, that the scripture is just like, you're coming right out of the gate. You're kind, of, you're kind of coming in hot. I realize that. But I need you to understand this. Of all of the things in the kingdom to play with, please don't play with your salvation. Of all of the things to toy with, of all the things to question, of all the things to, to say, you know what, I'm actually not sure if that's exactly what it says. I'm not sure if, if that's exactly what he meant. Of all of the things, please, don't mess with your salvation. 
Sin equals death. Jesus equals life. Life. You get to pick which one. Amen? Cool. I'm going to look into uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 6. We're going to spend a little bit of time here. Now that we have a little bit of perspective, I want to look at this, the salvation miracle. In verse 6, it says this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. I love his timing. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in the... Sorry, since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, uh, his son while we were still, in, we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through his, the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. This Set of scriptures paints an incredible, beautiful picture of the intense but deep love, the lavish love of the Father and the lavish love that he has for you and that he has for me. That in the middle of our weakness, the King James takes this word weakness and, and it breaks it down into a word that is sickness. In the middle of our sickness, in the middle of living a life of sin, sin is this subtle disease that slowly but surely makes you grow sick to the point that when you die, you actually die as a very certain type of death. But at the right time, while you were sick, while sin was trying to reign and rule over your life, Christ died in that exact moment that you would step into uh, a spiritual life that would last forever. God's love for you is so great that while you were in your worst condition, think about sin and think about Jesus. While you're in your worst condition, of sin and sickness, Jesus died for you. The most valuable for the least valuable. The most pure for the most infected. This was the trade-off. His best at our worst. As enemies of God, Jesus died for you and I. I want you to imagine what that's like for a moment. Imagine putting your son in a position to be offered up for your very worst enemy, someone who constantly is in opposition of you. We drive by people on the, on the road, on the street corner that's asking for money, and we, we don't give them $10 because we don't know where they're going to spend it on. And God's like, yeah, I'm going to give you the best thing that I have while you're my enemy because it's the only way that you're going to even have an opportunity at life. You were restored by the death of his son, Jesus. I love this. In the eyes of God, you are made right because at the moment of salvation, Jesus' blood washes you completely clean. I love that. That when Jesus, when the Father looks at you, he sees something that is right. My question to you is, when you look at you, what do you see? How much right do you see within yourself? When you look in the mirror, what, what, is the, what are the things that you see that no one else sees, and what are you celebrating about yourself? What are you landing on? What are you believing on that God is not landing, and he's not celebrating, and he's not believing? 
It says that his son's blood made us to be seen by God right. You're right in right standing with God because of Jesus. When you look at yourself, what is it that you see? The Lord reminded me in the first service of this funny story, and I gotta tell you because it just is what it is. There's a, there's a couple that uh, we've known a long time. She just passed. He passed many, many years ago. They were a traveling evangelist team, incredible people. And uh, they were in probably their 70s at the time, and, and they were getting ready for church. She gets out of the shower. He's in the bathroom. And uh, he goes, babe, I got bad news for you. She goes, what are you, what are you talking about? He's like, it's not, it's not good. She's like, will you tell me already? He's like, well, you're not going to go to heaven. And she's like, what do you mean I'm not going to go to heaven? He's like, well, the scripture says that the Lord is coming back for a bride that has no spot or wrinkle. And unfortunately, you got a lot of those. You got a lot of those. Oh, geez. What is it that you see when you look in the mirror? Because God didn't see spot or wrinkles in this moment. I'm sorry. Oh, I think about that. And knowing him as honoring as he was, that was very, very, very much like him to say, <laughs> Don't tell your wife that. <laughs> Whatever you do, if you don't hear anything else, even if you don't get saved, the next best thing is don't tell your wife that she has spots or wrinkles. It will not good because you will need salvation in lots and lots of ways. You'll be calling all of the people, the Ghostbusters, everyone, they got to come, they got to help you out. But this is an incredible miracle of what Jesus did for us. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. At the moment of coming to Jesus, you become brand new. Old gone, new comes. An incredible miracle. Uh, Pastor Robert Morris of Gateway Church, he made a statement once that, that I heard and it's never left me. It, it just kind of was one of those shaking, powerful, reflective statements. He said this, never get over getting saved. Never get over getting saved. The greatest miracle, never get over the greatest miracle. Oftentimes I think we get saved and then we, we literally are like that hamster on a wheel you know what I'm talking about? They start running so fast that at one point their legs can't keep up and then their whole body is just doing this. Because we want to find out what our gifting is. I want to work a miracle. I got to lay hands on a sick. I want to, we start pressing and, and doing all of these things. But he is saying in this moment, don't forget your salvation story. Don't forget what it was like for you. Stir yourself up and remember what it was like to get saved. Never get over the very, very first and most important miracle, and it is salvation. Don't move past it. Don't forget about it. In Revelations, he talks about returning to your first love, remembering from where you've fallen, repent, do the first works, never get over getting saved. I don't know what your salvation story is like, but I remember mine dearly. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember the room I was in. I remember the, the smell in the room. I remember the goosebumps and the, 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 the cold breeze that was blowing in the middle of the room. I, I remember what I was feeling in the moment. I remember who I was standing next to. I remember who was preaching. I remember feeling overwhelmed with God's love so much so that I just couldn't resist any longer. I remember stepping into the room 
at 21 years old and just living a life of selfishness and sin and I was just living the life that I knew how to live. And I stepped all the way out of sin and all the way into eternal life. That's my story, I don't know what yours is like, but I would encourage you in the moment to start stirring your faith up in remembrance of what it was like to get saved. See, because I believe what was happening in the room that I got saved in is there was so much faith for salvation, so much faith for someone to start a journey that was like the one that other people had started, that it started stirring something up so strongly that when a salvation opportunity came, people literally ran to the altar, and I was one of them. I would encourage you, you have that same kind of faith. Start stirring yourself up. Even right now, I'm telling you, actively start stirring. Remember what it was like. Remember who you were with. What was the room like? What was the setting like? Because you don't know who's sitting next to you and what is actually going on in the inside of their heart. But today, they could have one of those days where in a year from now, they say, you know what? I never get over getting saved because there was a day that I was sitting in a service. And the faith started stirring in the room and I felt the love of God and the peace of God come on me and I made a decision for Jesus that day and I've never been the same. Stir yourself up and never get over this idea of getting saved. I wanna encourage you just to settle in on this idea that salvation is the absolute greatest miracle of all. The very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that causes your spirit to be reborn in a moment of calling upon him and believing in your heart. How incredible is that? We think, well, well, he was Jesus. He was the son of the living God. He was Jesus. He was the man, the myth, and the legend, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Of course, he was going to have that sort of power, that sort of spirit come upon him and yank him out of the grave. He was Jesus. And you are also a son or a daughter to be of the most high God. And in a moment, the Lord just wants to come and he just says, I'm going to impart something to you and by the same spirit, I'm going to give you the same gift that I gave Jesus. I'm going to give you the, the same power that operated in Jesus and brought him out of a tomb. I'm going to let it operate in you and bring you out of a tomb. The same, you have the access to the same spirit of God, and he is alive, and he is real, and he is in the room. I think y'all believe me. Thank you, Jesus. I understand this, that, and I said this a while ago to begin with, but there are two, two different types of people in the room. There are the lost and they're the saved. And the question is, is, which group do you identify with? Where do you fall on this line? If you would say, I think I am saved, but I'm not sure, I would provoke you to ask yourself some further questions. I would ask you to ask some questions like, am I doing the same things and thinking the same ways that I always have? I would ask you, do you encounter inner difficulty or inner turmoil when you are tempted to do the same things over and over and over again? Or is it easy for you to fall into the same ways and the same habits? Do you deal with regret and conviction when you sin? Are you conflicted on the inside, in your heart and in your mind when you fall into sin? If your answer to these questions 
is no, nothing happens in those moments, then I would just seriously ask you to consider getting saved. It's really simple. Your answer to these questions indicate where you fall on this line. In Luke chapter 19, we see Jesus uh, coming into the town of Jericho. This is a story that we've probably all heard, sing songs about this wee little man when you were young and when you were in, in children's church. I didn't because I wasn't there, but I've heard the stories of the wee little man. My son, in all of his honor, one day came home from church. And he's like, Dad, I figured out who you're like in the Bible. I was like, who's that? I was like, bro, don't you come at me like that. Don't. He's like, Dad, you're like Zacchaeus. Why so? Yeah, you know. I'm like, well, hey, buddy, FYI, you haven't got much of a shot, so good luck with that. We see Zacchaeus, and he climbs in this tree. He's really, really curious of what's going on, and he's got to get a different perspective of Jesus. He's got to see Jesus coming. and So he climbs up in this tree, and as Jesus comes into the town of Jericho, he sees Zacchaeus, and he says, make haste and come down from there. In other words, get your down from there. We, we're going to your house. In this moment, I'm actually coming to stay in your house. This word stay is, is also the word abide. Jesus is saying, I'm coming to abide in you. I'm coming to abide where you're at. I'm going to invade your space. And so in this moment, this is where we're going to pick up. Zacchaeus comes down from the tree, and something very, very powerful happens. It says this in Luke chapter 19, verse 8. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. I'm sorry. Yeah, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who were lost. I got two questions. Did y'all hear Jesus tell Zacchaeus anything about his money and, and selling things and giving it to the poor? Did you hear Jesus confront Zacchaeus on anything that he had stolen or obtained that was uh, not morally correct? Because I didn't see that in the scripture, but something happened in this moment. The moment that Jesus comes to Zacchaeus and the, the moment that Jesus comes to you, something should happen inside of here. And that's exactly what happened to Zacchaeus. Jesus says, I'm coming to abide in your house. And immediately, Zacchaeus recognizes who Jesus is and knows instantly I have to change some of the things in the way in which I live. My heart has to shift because Jesus demands a response, and it's a response that comes from here. And because of Zacchaeus' response, Jesus says, salvation has come to your house today. In one chapter before, in Luke 18, we see Jesus have an encounter with a rich young ruler. So in 18, he has a rich young ruler encounter. In 19, he has a, a, an encounter with Zacchaeus, who was also rich. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, what is it that I must do to have or inherit eternal life? Jesus throws out five, uh, five of the, the, the commandments for him to follow. And he says, you know what, I've done all of those things. And Jesus says, okay, perfect, do this. Sell what you have, give to the poor, and lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It says in this moment, this young man was overcome with sorrow because he was rich and had many things, and he walked away. 
Here's the difference. You have Zacchaeus, whose heart responded to Jesus and everything changed. You have this young man who is also rich and has things, who was so connected to the things that he wasn't, allow, he wasn't gonna let Jesus have access to his heart. He wasn't gonna let him be Lord of everything. I think it's interesting that he uses money in both of these situations because we, we understand that where your treasure is, that your heart will be also. And God is interested in a heart change. Newsflash, you're the only one and Jesus that knows the true things about you. You're the only one that knows the real thoughts that you're having. You're the only one that knows the true emotions that are inside of you. You're the only one that knows the things that you really, really want to do. You're the only one in Jesus that know the things of your heart. And I believe this, that confession and belief are needed for salvation, but belief is active and your confession and your belief should cause something in your heart to, to, to make you start living in a way out here that is far different than you've ever lived. I've heard it said like this, if you are what you were, then you ain't. Meaning, if something didn't change in here, and out of the abundance of the heart, the word says that your mouth speaks or you will live out a certain way. If something doesn't change in here that causes this, the way that you live out here to look different, start reevaluating your heart. You're like, well, that sounds very harsh. I'm talking about your salvation. Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't know if I want to go that far. I think that that's too deep and I think that that's too legalistic. Of all of the things to play with, don't play with your salvation. If you still find yourself doing the same things over and over and over and over and over with no regret, reevaluate it. Did your heart shift and did it change? I believe that confessing in Jesus as Lord and Savior, it will cause you to have everything of the old pass away and all things to become new. What I'm not saying in this moment is this. I'm not saying that when you call upon Jesus and you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, I'm not saying that instantly everything has to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, then you didn't get saved. That's not exactly, that's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there should be something that causes this to start making you think, talk, act, and live differently. Amen? Your heart should change, and you and Jesus, Jesus should have this encounter where you get to be transparent with him, and he gets to be transparent with you, and you walk into the assurance of salvation. I want to say just this last thing, and then I'm going to pray. Um, I'm speaking this to everyone, um, whether you're saved or you're not saved. If you are saved, I'm speaking specifically to you because you're considered a saint. In John chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know this, right? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's motivation was love, and so yours should be too. If in your 
if in your attempt to advance the kingdom of God, your truth is not wrapped up in love, I would kindly, respectfully ask you to wait. Keep your peace. In other words, don't talk. Let your heart get changed. Get clothed in love. Wrap your words up in love and minister alongside the way in which the Father ministers. If it didn't come to condemn the world, neither do we. It's really simple. Love them, point them to Jesus, and then celebrate them. Love them, point them to Jesus, and celebrate them. Because I promise you, they don't need one more person that's against them. There's enough. Salvation is truly the greatest miracle. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.